Welcome to AJHP Voices, now comprising interviews on contemporary pharmacy issues and discussions with AJHP authors. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. This is William Zelmer for AJHP Voices. I'm speaking with two of the authors of the paper entitled National Trends in Prescription Drug Expenditures and Projections for 2016. With me are Glenn Schumach and Michelle Wiest. Dr. Schumach is Professor and Head, Department of Pharmacy Systems, Outcomes and Policy, College of Pharmacy, University of Illinois at Chicago. Dr. Wiest is Vice President, Pharmacy Services, UC Health, and Clinical Associate Professor, James L. Winkle College of Pharmacy, University of Cincinnati. When AJHP has now published an annual drug expenditure forecast for 25 years with various groups of authors, of course, and this article certainly has a high profile among health system pharmacy practice leaders. Nevertheless, let's start our conversation with some very basic information. What is the purpose of the 2016 edition of this article? Okay, well, thanks, Bill. Um, like the previous editions, I think the primary purpose of the forecast article is to assist hospital pharmacy managers in determining or setting their annual drug budgets. Um, I think it's that purpose the article has the profile that it does and is used widely for that reason. The it, it I think is the only available or publicly available report or forecast of drug spending in the hospital and clinic environment. There are other forecasts for retail drug spending. So from that standpoint, it's it's also one of the only sources available for pharmacy managers. I think a secondary purpose of the article is to provide specific analysis of drug expenditures in the hospital and clinic environment to help inform other research or to support literature on specific drugs or trends in drug spending. And, and the paper is often cited for that purpose as well. Glenn, could you briefly describe the methods uh, you use for documenting 2015 drug expenditures? Yeah, sure. Each year in the paper, we spend a, a lot of effort to try to understand trends in drug expenditures, and that is what helps inform our forecast. I definitely want to acknowledge IMS Health. IMS Health has generously provided data for the historical analysis of drug spending each year, and um, without that support, we, we would never be able to produce this paper. The data that we use from IMS is called the IMS National Sales Perspective Database, and it is a statistically valid audit of purchases by pharmacies and other healthcare providers. It covers 100% of purchases in the U.S. And those data we then use to examine um, trends in drug expenditures, and we look at sectors, so different sectors within the, the healthcare system. Um, obviously, we're, our focus, again, is uh, hospitals and clinics, um, but we also uh, do a little bit looking at some of the other sectors. We look at drug classes, and we, of course, look at individual drug products that are influencing spending. Um, and, of course, we importantly, we try to make comparisons to the previous year to understand the growth in expenditures compared to the last year and then going back um, even further to identify those trends. Well, again, briefly, uh, how did you go about making projections for 2016? Yeah, from um, a simplistic standpoint, we use a two-step process. First, we try to gather as much information as we can on those key factors that we think will influence drug spending in the next year. 
And then we use that information to actually forecast spending in hospitals and clinics and then the overall market in the next year, so in this case, 2016. So the factors that we examine, we've already talked about the historical trends in expenditures, drug expenditures in hospitals and clinics, but we also look at new drug approvals that are anticipated in the next year, and we try to estimate the use of those products and how those will influence spending. And then we also look at anticipated patent expirations and whether or not a drug will become available as a generic, and of course that may reduce expenditures. So we're looking at things that might increase or decrease expenditures. And we try to understand all the other major trends or changes in the economy, in the population, and in our healthcare systems that might impact drug spending. Of course, that is um, very difficult to do. The forecast itself then is kind of a quantitative and qualitative approach, and we try to look at that historical data and use some modeling to predict what will happen in the next year if provided um, things stay the same in terms of those, uh, those spending patterns. And then we try to factor in these other things in a more qualitative way. In the end, then, it's kind of a consensus opinion of the authors of the paper as to the final growth estimates for the next year. Glenn, one of the features of your paper is its stratification of expenditure data and projections by market sector, as you've already pointed out. Could you give our listeners a top-line overview of growth in prescription drug expenditures in 2015 for the pharmaceutical market as a whole and then for some of the top sectors in that market? Yeah, sure. We break down spending by sector, and we note that retail pharmacies and mail-order pharmacies are contribute the most in terms of total drug spending. Those Together, those two make up about 75% of spending, or they did in 2015. Clinics are about 13%, and, and non-federal hospitals about 8% in 2015. The only other sector of any note is long-term care, which is around 4%. We also are, pay very close attention to growth in, in the previous year in those sectors and note that the highest growth this past year was in mail order at almost 19%. Clinics were at 16% growth and non-federal hospitals at 107 or almost 11% growth in 2015 compared to 2014. Well, how do these numbers for 2015 compare with uh, the annual rate of expenditure growth for the previous several years? Uh, as you mentioned earlier, we've been doing this report for quite some time, and we have data going all the way back to 2000, and there was a gradual decline in, in all of the growth figures up until around 2008 and when it kind of hit the, the low point and during the recent recession and stayed low until 2013. So it's just been in these past two years where we've seen an uptick in growth of drug spending in hospitals, clinics, and then the overall spend. This past year, 2015, we saw um, kind of similar values compared to 2014 in terms of growth for the overall and also for clinics, but hospitals basically doubled in terms of their growth in 2015, again at, at almost 11% compared to last year, which was 5.5%. Well, uh, you mentioned uh, non-federal hospitals here, calling them out and the uh growth in expenditures, uh, what were the major factors that contributed to that sizable growth in 2015? There's lots of different ways that you can analyze growth to try to understand that. One of the things we do is look at what we call elements of growth. There's three things that impact total spending for drugs, and, and those are, first of all, new products that come on the market that weren't there before, and then second, price increases of existing products. And then lastly, increase in volume of use of drugs. 
So for non-federal hospitals and clinics, we, we try to uh, analyze these factors and, and see not only how those impact total growth, but also within different types of drugs, so within injectable and non-injectables, brands and generics and so forth. So if you look at the, the hospital environment, this 11% growth was driven mostly by increases in price. 7.6 of the 10.7% growth was from increases in price of existing products. Now, in the hospital environment, um, most drugs are non-injectable, the vast majority. And uh, if you look specifically at non-injectables and then within that brands, generics, and branded generics, we saw the bulk of the growth being for branded generic products. And those were almost exclusively due to increases in price. Very interesting. Well, how do those factors for the hospital sector compare with what you found affecting rate of growth for expenditures in clinics? The clinic um, environment is different to the extent that what appears to have driven growth there in this past year was more related to volume and volume of use of medications, and particularly non-injectable medications. So we saw a 23% growth overall in non-injectable drugs in the clinics, and most of that was driven by brand products, so 26.4% growth in brand products, non-injectable brand products. And there's also a large growth in, in generics, non-injectable generics as well, but brand products in particular. And those, again, were the major contribution there was from increased volume of use of those. Jelly, uh, certainly uh, specialty pharmaceuticals is a very hot topic in health system pharmacy. Could you comment on uh, that as a factor in the growth of drug expenditures in hospitals and clinics in, in this report? Well, our data set doesn't specifically identify specialty medications as a sector or as a class of medications. So there isn't a clear way for us to um, extrapolate that information in our paper. However, when you look at the top medications in each of the sectors individually, we can see that specialty medications, especially those used for the treatment of hepatitis C, for GI conditions such as Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, as well as rheumatoid arthritis, are the number one drivers of the drug spend. Three of the top five for the overall drug expense spend would be considered specialty medications. But when you go and then look at the clinics and the hospitals, um, those medications aren't the number one drugs leading the spend for those sectors in our analyses. Regardless of that fact, we know that the specialty medications are a significant proportion of new drugs coming to market. We also know that they contribute to a large expense. And looking at our data sets for the future, I think that's one of the ways in which we're going to have to look to see how those drugs are penetrating into each of the individual sectors. Well, Shelley, I have a somewhat related question. Uh, in recent years, this paper has given special attention to the release of new oncology drugs as a factor in expenditure growth. Uh, what can you say about this factor in 2015 and in your projection for 2016? Well, the antineoplastic class continues to be the greatest percentage at 17.5%, which is about a 0.7% growth compared to the previous years. But since the cancer modalities are also encroaching into the biologic sector, that's another class to take a look at. And the biologics, although um, it is a 5.5%, it has an increase of 27% um, compared to previous years. 
we know that uh, treatments for cancer are continuing to be expensive and that they're going to be a large proportion of the cost. And we um, identified 16 new agents um, that would be used for treatment. But it seems like the newer treatments are for more targeted therapies and cancers that are more rare. And they're also developing more of those that um, can be taken orally. And because of that, we see, at least in the next year, that it's going to have a smaller impact um, on the overall growth for future years. However, I think that um, with the new therapies that are coming out um, and the unknowns related to that, it's still going to be a class that we're going to have to keep an eye on and ensure that we have you know, identified those that could potentially have big increases in our spend. Well, Shirley, there's been a lot of public attention focused recently on predatory pricing of generic drug products. What are the specific data about uh, this area, non-federal hospitals and clinics, in 2015? That's an area that we're going to have to continue to monitor. And in our data sets, it's hard for us to identify the individual price increases that a, a drug might take. Part of that is the increasing changes in the NDC numbers, as well as when those price changes occur. In this last year, we've identified three medications that had um, large increases that are in the generic classes, and that includes vasopressin, neostigmine, and hydroxyprogesterone, which had you know, hundreds of percentage of increase um, in their expenses. The leftovers from last year, such as isoproteranol, flucytosine, and nitroprusside, was also still evident in our data set from this year. And I think it's just a market that the hospital pharmacists and others in the base are going to have to continue to monitor. There's continued market consolidation. And as um, all these drug companies are having to have their drugs approved by the FDA. So part of the components we'll have to look at is when these price changes occurred and to monitor those closely. You know, I found it interesting that your article comments on the effect of the FDA unapproved drug initiative on the pricing of generics. Could you just comment on that briefly? So older medications, those in the 1930s or the 1960s, they were given what's called a drug efficacy study implementation status or a DESI status. And so as the FDA um, had increasing rules over the decades, they're now going back and ensuring that all of those products that were granted that DESI status have to reapply for an FDA approval status. And so they have to go through those either abbreviated NDA application or a full NDA application depending upon what data is available on those medications. And through that process, manufacturers elect to just withdraw their drug for the market or invest heavily in getting that NDA and that FDA approval. And in doing so, that could contribute to the increases of that individual um, drug's cost. Well, Shelley, uh, so far in the United States, there seems to have been limited opportunity to assess the effect that biosimilars will have on drug expenditures overall. What do you think is reasonable to project in this regard over the next few years? This is going to be one area to watch. And as new products come to the market that are either biosimilar, for those biosimilars are really going to be testing the market. In the one class, or I guess the one drug, so Grastem, we've really seen that there has been a reduction in the price and an increase in the number of units purchased. So you're seeing some moderation related to those biosimilars when they do come to the marketplace. I think everyone's interested to see how the biosimilars for infliximab are going to affect the market. 
in general, you would think that we were going to need you know, significant price um, reductions or multiple agents on the market in order for individuals to feel comfortable with biosimilars and really for the uptake for those to take place. It'll also be um, important to see how the insurers will be looking to see how they will reimburse for biosimilars when they do come to the market. Julie, another area I'm interested in uh, your thoughts on relates to safety net institutions uh, who seem to be very concerned about changes that have been proposed for the 340B program. What is your sense of the magnitude of the impact these changes would have if approved on drug expenditures? There could be some significant impact to the 340B program, but I believe it's still too soon to speculate since there's so much legal debate and other political actions that are taking place. For the 340B eligible facilities, for them, I think that they should continue to ensure that they're compliant with the program and support education and the benefits of the programs to their providers. And then also start developing assessments to see how much of an impact these regulatory changes could make um, on their drug expenditures. So really you're suggesting that individual institutions should take this uh, proposal pretty seriously, those that are qualified as safety net institutions and sort of uh, project for themselves uh, the impact that these changes could have if they're approved. That's correct, and I, I really do think that it's important to um, keep an, an eye on the regulatory and advocacy efforts that are taking place. You know, a lot of this is going to be something that we're going to have to really pay attention to over um, the upcoming months. Glenn, let me come back to you. Uh, you and others published in 2015 an analysis of the accuracy of the annual prescription drug expenditure forecast in AJHB. Could you tell us what were the key findings in that analysis and what implications do those findings have for the utility of the annual forecast? We were interested to um, be able to assess the accuracy of our forecast and, and be able to give readers some sense of how well our estimates uh, match what actually happens. So we, we went back and plotted our forecasts against what actually happened in the following year for hospitals and clinics, and, and we were able to go back 10 years. And then as we analyzed that, there's a variety of different metrics that you can use uh, to do that. You know, forecasting itself is not easy, and I will say that uh, our estimates are far from perfect. However, when we compare our accuracy measured as mean percent error, compared to others who forecast drug expenditures, and namely the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, we do reasonably well. You may know that CMS produces an annual forecast of healthcare expenditures, and within that they include a forecast for retail drug expenditures. Our forecast, of course, is focused on hospitals and clinics, and there might be variables or there might be differences with that that would make it more or less easy to forecast. But given all of that, we feel that our forecast is reasonably accurate based on that analysis. Now, in terms of um, what that means for readers, as always, we want readers to use our uh, results cautiously and understand the limitations of those. And the forecast itself that we produce is a national forecast, and it's not specific to any individual hospital. And every hospital that uses this information should use it just to, as one input to many inputs that they have as they develop their budget. Well, Shelley, do you have any additional advice on how health system pharmacy practice leaders should use the annual uh, expenditure forecast? I think the one thing is that you can use this information to help communicate to um, your C-suites what is going on nationally. 
but then you need to step back and look to see, well, what is going on individually within your hospitals um, with regards to the type and mix of patients that you see, different services that you may be provided from year to year. And that this inflationary number um, isn't one to just put onto your drug expenditure budget. But one thing to note is that it's important for health system leaders to ensure that they have appropriate monitoring practices in place in order to identify changes that might occur within the year to ensure that things don't sneak up on you. It's really easy for a manufacturer, especially a generic company, to increase a price without any warning. And something that was either a low utilization and a low cost all of a sudden can have a significant price increase and have an impact on your overall budget and cause variances. So with that in mind, you want to make sure that you use your therapeutics and pharmacy and therapeutics committee to have practices in place such as guidelines, therapeutic interchanges, um, restrictions and then to have the data in order to provide that to your leadership and your physicians in a way in which to ensure that you're managing your pharmaceutical spend appropriately. Well, that sounds like very sound advice. Uh, Glenn, as we bring our conversation to a close here, let me ask you, do you contemplate any enhancements or refinements in future editions of the expenditure forecast? Well, first let me say that we greatly appreciate any suggestions that readers have about the forecast or ways to improve the paper. We have made changes uh, over the years based on uh, input from readers. And we really hope that people will feel free to contact us uh, about that. Like I said, we've made some changes, uh, especially recently, to try to enhance the paper um, by streamlining the results, trying to make them a little bit more uh, user-friendly, going a little bit deeper into the uh, top drugs that are contributing to expenditures. Some of those changes were included in, in the 2016 paper, and going forward, we are working with AJHP to try to put more enhancements to the paper of, available online. So we have a, a data visualization project that we're working on that would um, put information online that would allow readers to interpret and, I guess, visualize the data in a different way that might be a little bit more useful to them and better for uh, planning purposes. Um, we also uh, are continuously striving to improve on our methods uh, forecasting and improve the accuracy of the forecast, and so we will uh, continue to do that as well. This has been a discussion with Dr. Glenn Schumach of the University of Illinois at Chicago and Dr. Michelle Wiest of the University of Cincinnati. We've been discussing their AJHP article, National Trends in Prescription Drug Expenditures and Projections for 2016. For AJHB Voices, this is William Zelmer. Thank you for listening. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org.